Well, hey there. Welcome to Mosaic Midweek, a series of videos designed to help you take your next step in following Jesus. This summer, I was driving my car and this thought crossed my mind. Take that car and just ram it against one of the overpass walls and it would just be better to just end it all than to keep living in such pain and uncertainty and betrayal and loss. Now, I gotta be honest, that thought terrified me to the point where I realized I was burned out. I could not continue living the way that I had been living. I needed a better way to process and deal with loss, with betrayal, with people's opinions of me and, 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 and the things they said and, and did. Maybe, like me, you've had moments where you've thought, man, it'd be better just to end it all. I want you to know that you are not alone. That those feelings of loss and depression, of anxiety, that you are not alone. One of the things I think the church has not done a great job with is talking about mental health. That's something I want to talk about tonight. That as followers of Jesus, we are not exempt from these feelings of depression, these feelings of, of blackness and, and darkness and just feeling like we're, we're underwater and when we can't catch our breath. But there is hope and hope for change. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight. I think one of the problems that, when it comes to real situations of discouragement is that well-meaning people often use these cliches in their efforts to somehow make us feel better. But don't you just hate cliches? Like, you know what I'm talking about. Like, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Like, you know what? Honestly, I don't even know what that really means. It's better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. Who wrote that? Obviously, someone who never had the let's be friends talk while in Bible school. You know, when the tough, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. What does that even mean? I don't know again. Because cliches don't help. I think so often that when someone speaks these to us, they're, they're trying to help, but it just comes off as really trite and, and insecure, and it's not really helpful. And I think the only thing worse than greeting card companies trying to peddle these cliches and unhelpful tripe is when the church does it. In reality, check here, folks, like everyone gets discouraged. Everyone goes through hard times. So today I'm not going to give you three happy hops to, um, to uh, you know, no more discouragement. I'm not going to give you some kind of brave heart speech for you that's going to vaccinate against future discouragement. Instead, I just want to share some practical wisdom from the Bible and just kind of what I've been learning and growing on my journey, especially over these last couple of months, on just how to deal with discouragement, how to deal with depression when, when, we, when we feel that weight under us and, 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 and we're scared even just by those dark feelings. See, I think the biggest lie that we believe that sometimes gets told by Christians is that God will never give you more than you can handle. 
I think that's, that's, that's a common phrase that people say that, you know, hey, just hold on because God's never going to give you more than you can handle. But that is absolutely not the truth. Now, I know where people get it from. They look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. This verse doesn't say that God won't give you more than you can handle. He says he will never let us be tempted beyond what we can handle. The key word here is temptation. We are promised by the Apostle Paul that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond our ability. Temptation is very different than discouragement or depression or just the weight of events in our life. God doesn't say he won't give us more than we can handle. He says we won't be tempted beyond our ability. See, God will inevitably allow us to experience more than we can handle. The death of a spouse or a parent, or the death of a dream, loss of relationships, bankruptcy. Maybe it's watching a lifelong dream wither away and die or soldiers who watch their friends die in combat, mental illness, depression, disease, or even just the realization that you've been wasting your life and you really have nothing to show for it. Now, all these things are more than we can handle, and that's the point. See, the point is we need Jesus. Jesus is both teacher and Lord. And he came 2,000 years ago as a rabbi to teach us the way to live and to die on the cross for our sins and then to send his Holy Spirit so we don't have to be alone. We don't have to go through this. He is our strength. He is our provision. In this kind of series we're in, our, our theme verse is Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, where Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's our goal, to find rest for our souls. And we've been learning Jesus has both a yoke, which is his, his teaching, and we want to be side by side with Jesus, carrying the yoke together at his pace, letting him carry the weight, but following his teaching, his example of how to live. And then Jesus also has apprentices, these Talmudim. Well, last Sunday, I went into a little bit on, on intentional spiritual formation versus unintentional spiritual formation. And there's something I didn't, didn't really talk about in there was, was going through the hard knocks of life, as Jay-Z, uh, the modern poet, might say. But how does God use these times of discouragement and, and depression and loss and anxiety to help us be transformed into the likeness of Jesus? See, the end goal as we walk through intentional spiritual formation is that the Holy Spirit becomes the dominant influence in our life. That is our goal. More than the environment we are in and living in Minnesota, more than you know, where we go on our phones, Instagram or YouTube or Facebook or TikTok or whatever that might be. That's the baseline for spiritual transformation is allowing the Holy Spirit to be that dominant influence in our lives. There's no silver bullet. There's no magic program, no killer app. It just takes time. It takes decades to become like Jesus, to allow him to grow fruit in our lives as we abide in him, as the branches 
are connected to the vine, Jesus, and the spiritual practices become kind of the trellis that our lives are going to grow around. But it takes time. And over time, we will be transformed. And, and what we see in intentional spiritual formation is that God will use the hard knocks of life to transform you. God will use those hard knocks of life to transform you and to transform me. Here's what James, the brother of Jesus, writes in James 1, verse 2 through 4. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James says that we are going to face trials of many kinds and testing of our faith, but it's going to produce perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that we can become mature and complete, not lacking anything in our journey of becoming like Jesus. The thing about our culture here in the West, in the United States, is there's really no redemptive messaging for suffering. The West, kind of our culture, really just likes to say, like, there, there's nothing good about suffering. And so, you know, here, take this medication or, you know, uh, do what you can to forget it. They're good at prescribing, you know, alcohol or partying or, uh, you know, just whatever we can do to just kind of get through suffering as fast as we can. You know, honestly, like, we don't do a good job of grieving. <laughs> we don't do a good job of redeeming our suffering and, and, and being in those moments and saying, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me here? But these are the moments have the potential to help us incubate and become like Jesus when we go through those hard knocks of life. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but... He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We don't know exactly what this thorn in the flesh was. Some people think it might have been bad eyesight. Some think it might have been a mother-in-law or just someone, uh, I'm just kidding, uh, someone, you know, in his life, a relationship that was just, just hard and was tough on him, uh, that kept him uh, just in a place where he pleaded with God. Here's a, here's a man who, who planted churches, who, who uh, wrote, you know, much of the New Testament. And he asked God, take away this thing that is causing so much pain and uncertainty in my life. And Christ's message to him was, my grace is sufficient for you. Right now, maybe you're going through a tough time. Maybe you're pleading and begging God to change your situation, to change your circumstances. And maybe the message you need to hear is Christ saying to you, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. See, but when we're in the desert, when we're depressed, when we feel like we want to die, and life is more 
than we can handle. God wants us to turn to Him and rely on Him to sustain us. And in our weakness, we can rest in the hope that God will be glorified, that His grace is sufficient for us. Now, I just want to leave you with a few practical application points that if you are struggling, if you feel like you are carrying the weight of depression and, and, and just not mental health and, and just going through a tough time, here's a few things I just want to recommend um, that perhaps can, can help you out. And these are things that have helped me out. Uh, number one, uh, meet with a counselor, a trained counselor, uh, a psychologist, uh, uh, a, bi- a biblical counselor, uh, someone with training, uh, and perhaps even a psychiatrist. Uh, uh, this summer, I've met with an amazing, uh, wise man of God who has been a, a psychologist and a counselor for a number of years. And he even referred me to a psychiatrist. Um, we met for a couple hours downtown. It was intense. And we went back through some of my childhood stuff and processing the loss of my best friend, Joshua, when I, in sixth grade. And, and then uh, my good friend, Darren, who died last year and just how I was internalizing those those losses and just and what that was doing to me and it was really really helpful um, perhaps you need to make an appointment and, and go see a, a good counselor a good psychologist or a psychiatrist and uh, you know if you if you tried that before and didn't work then, then you need to tr- try again find someone better there are really good counselors out there and I, I've also met with some that just are not good they're not helpful so, so find someone um, that can help. And perhaps a psychiatrist can help you if you need some medication to just get your head out of the water. If you feel like the waves are just, you know, coming up over your head, sometimes there are chemical issues in our brains. And, you know, just getting some medication to help us be able to breathe again. Um, this summer I was struggling with panic attacks and just uh, having some medication to help with that was was so helpful. I don't think we could have gone back to meeting as a church uh, if, if I didn't have just some, some medical help with that. And so perhaps that's something you need to look into. Um, I would say uh, get into weekly communities, a weekly community with other Jesus followers and talk about real things. If you're going through a tough time, get into community with other Jesus followers. Talk about real issues. And then you need to listen as much as you talk. Listen as much as you are going to share all the things that are going on in your life. You know, come ready to learn and grow. You, you don't come just to spew, but you say, okay, I want to change. I want to learn. I want to grow. And, and to have the areas of your life that need to grow be exposed and then also to be encouraged. And so as we're going through community, uh, and as we meet together, uh, or maybe you're watching these videos with some friends or a spouse or a roommate, it's saying, okay, where in my lives, I need some exposure. And to say, okay, this is where I need to change. Where do I need to be encouraged as, as we journey together? Uh, some very practical ones that I've help, found helpful is uh, set your phone alarm uh, and, and do 10 minutes uh, of silence and solitude each day. Set that timer on your phone. Um, and just sit and, and maybe even just imagine that you are, are with Jesus or uh, like, like the branches connected to the vine and you're just going to abide in him. Maybe you're going to pray a little bit. But this isn't the time to, to, to lift up other people and, and be praying about all their needs. This is just a time to be with Jesus. Uh, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, those uh, a lot of people say that just having 
10 minutes a day, you know, of meditation, of quiet, of stillness is so good for your soul. Second is I would say, take a walk each day just to pray, connect with God, talk with him about going on today. This is the time where, where you can, um, you know, bring others who are in need before Jesus you know, as, as you are praying, as you are interceding for them. And I think there's something, just our body, our mind, our, our souls, they're all connected. And so when we are walking in God's nature, especially in Minnesota right now in the fall, the beautiful leaves, one of my favorite walks, it's a four-mile walk around uh, Rice Lake. Uh, sometimes I listen to podcasts, a great sermon. Sometimes I just I sit, sometimes I pray and, and intercede for others. But I don't encourage you to, to do that, that same thing. Uh, third, uh, get up in the morning, drink a big glass of water before you have your coffee. It just helps kind of reset your whole body. And then spend 15 minutes uh, in God's word before you open your email, before hopping on social media. You know, read a psalm a day. Read a chapter from the Gospels. Just start there. Maybe journal what you're learning. You know, what, what stood out to you? Um, you know, is there anything you can apply to, to your lives? You know, maybe then you want to journal some prayers down. That is so helpful to do those things early on in the morning, you know, um, get, drink your water, then get your coffee brewing, you know, spend 15 minutes reading the psalm, you know, reading a chapter of the gospel to be with Jesus, to learn what did Jesus do, where we can become like him, to do the things that he did uh, as we start our day with him. Finally, what I think I want us all to remember as we go through our own battles, but also today, you could be standing or sitting next to someone who's trying their best just not to fall apart. Everyone we meet is fighting some kind of battle that we know nothing about. And so let us remember that the people we interact with at the store, uh, at work, they may just be doing their best to try not to fall apart. So let's extend grace. Let's extend mercy love the way of Jesus. Even while we are struggling, even when it feels like, man, I'm so brokenhearted and I'm struggling to, to remember that so is everyone else around us, especially in this season, that people are struggling. So let's give extra grace. Let's give extra love. Uh, and just to ask Jesus, you know, how do you want me make a difference in their lives. I love Brian Stevens, one of our members. Uh, whenever I go out to, to lunch with him, you know, and we're at a restaurant with servers, he'll ask the server, hey, is there anything we can be praying about? Because when our meal comes, we're going to pray and we'd love to pray for you. That's, that's just a simple way to remind ourselves that everyone we meet is facing some kind of battle. Maybe they're doing just their best to, to, to keep from falling apart. You know, how can you love and serve your neighbors, your family members, whatever that might be? This whole goal becoming like Jesus of transformation. Is it possible? Yes. We can change. We can find healing. We can find healing. We can find hope. But it's not inevitable. It's going to take intentionality of, of allowing God to redeem the hard knocks of life, to, to walk in the practices of Jesus, to abide in him, to be intentional with how we start our day. You know, do, are we setting time for silence and solitude? Are, are we intentionally praying with Jesus as we intercede, as in our minds? We're bringing those people who are in need before the throne of God with Jesus. If you want to experience trains and transformation, it's going to take an, an intentional practice of walking in the way of Jesus in community with others around you. 
Change is possible. But it's not just going to happen on its own. We have to make the decisions to walk in the way of Jesus. Have a great week, and we'll see you hopefully on Sunday or next week.